Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2015. This is Jerry talking about Step 12. I'm sober today. I've got no idea what I'm going to say, so that'll be good. Um, this is good. I, I, when I was asked to uh, asked to do this, I um, I didn't realise that I get I get to uh, to tell the good story because it's been pretty serious stuff up until now. Um, but I have got a story about Step 12, and um, I um, I just want you to assume that um, that I've done most of the stuff that we've talked about over the last uh, last well, how many ever hours we've been in here. Um, because otherwise, I could I could repeat a lot of stuff that's already been said. There's a bit of a theme of threes. There was um, there was three frogs on a log, and there was um, there's a three pertinent ideas that we've spoken about, and there was a three pieces of pav I had, <laughs> and I can recall um, a wise person saying to me about well, how do I do step twelve? How do I carry the message? And, there's, there's only three things I can do. He said was tell them your story, tell them your story, and tell them your story. And that's really the only thing I've got that can connect with a, with a, with a, with an alcoholic who's got the big problems I had only a few years ago. And um, I uh, probably the best thing I can really talk about is an experience I had when. I probably went to my first weekend like this, which was at the Victoria University. It wasn't the Melbourne AA Steps weekend. It was um, it was Bob Darrell who came out from America, organised by the Archdeacon Group in Baldwin. And uh, I'd spent the weekend there, and I was just spellbound by this guy. He was a great storyteller. Probably still is. I've heard him a few times since. And I got home from that weekend, and Chris H, who's a, who's a good friend of mine, I've known for a long time in AA, um, I rang Chris to thank him for organising the weekend, because I knew there was a lot of work that went into, you know, and a lot of risk taken, bringing a guy out from America at a cost of, you know, thousands of dollars for airfares and accommodation, and, and I don't think that, that, uh, that venue was very cheap either. But anyway, he and his group had taken this risk and, and uh, given us this great experience in Melbourne, which I thought was fantastic. And he, uh, Chris said to me that, that in fact, Bob had, had just become his sponsor. And I thought, wow, fancy having a sponsor all the way over there in Las Vegas. And what do you need a sponsor for anyway, Chris? You're 20 years sober. But uh, he said, uh, one of the things that Bob has said to me um, is that uh, he, he blew me away. And he said, uh, he said, I want you to go to four meetings a week, at least four meetings a week. I want you to get a, on a detox roster. Um, and I want you to email me your 11th step every night. I thought I'd never heard of, certainly the last bit. But I said, I might be able to help you with the detox roster. I'm, a, I'm, on, the, I'm on the roster at Moreland Hall down in Heidelberg, and I'll ring Lindsay, who organises it, and see if there's, there's room for you to go along. And we'd go along to Moreland Hall once every six weeks or so with another, another AA member and tell our stories, tell our stories, tell our stories. Um, so I rang Lindsay and... And uh, I, I mentioned Chris probably, but something popped into, uh, something came out of my mouth that I didn't ever imagine I would say. I've actually volunteered to take over from him when he, when he wanted to pass on the job. And he said, when do you want to start? Um, and I had no idea what I was in for. I thought, this is pretty simple. You just, you know, organise, you know, a couple of people to go along 
to a detox every, every to a detox every Thursday night. How hard would that be? Um, I had no idea the impact it would have on my sobriety. I had no idea of the responsibility I'd taken on. Um, but uh, you know, I'm into organising things, so I've uh, I've got the list and I've got the names, I've got the numbers. Um, I wanted to I wanted to hold hold a briefing for all of these people to let them know exactly what I wanted them to do. Um, didn't get any of that done, but I started to 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 put a little roster together and get some people to go along and. And the things that happened to all the people who've ever organised the Moreland Hall roster before, or any other roster before for that matter, happened to me. You know, I'd get the phone call at five past eight saying, "There's no, I'm the only person here. Or I'd get, uh, I'd get a phone call at, at half past seven saying, I'm stuck at work and I can't be there. Um, one night I got a call about 5.30, I suppose, and I think I was in Sydney or somewhere. It's a long way from Moreland Hall anyway, and I couldn't get there. And I, and I tried to get there when, when these, these phone calls came. And uh, I probably, probably needed to, to rewrite my resentment list after a while. Um, and then uh, there was a night when nobody was there. For some reason, either, and I actually had, I used to text everybody, so I had a record of everybody I'd, I'd, I'd asked to come. I got a phone call from Moreland Hall saying there was no one, no one there tonight. Was there someone coming? And I didn't realise the seriousness of that. I thought, are you okay with that? And they were fine with it there. But it wasn't the staff that were affected. It was the eight or ten people who were in there who perhaps didn't get to hear the AA message. Um, so I made a change at the suggestion of Chris, actually, was that why don't you send three people along instead of two? And all the hassles would be gone, because if one didn't turn up, we'd still have two there. So we started doing that. And I might have got a bit overzealous. I think I got a phone call from, from Steve from uh, the Baldwin group to say, I'm here, but there's, there's uh, four others already in there. <laughs> anyway. A couple of months later, I'm in business with a guy who's an AA member and I didn't have anyone organised to go to Moreland Hall. So I arranged to meet him for a bit of a business meeting and have dinner in Heidelberg and then go, go on to the detox and we, we do that. That's all cool and he was happy to do that. He got caught up, he went somewhere else. Um, he didn't get to, to meet me in Heidelberg. It was about quarter past seven. And he said to me, what should we do? Should we just go straight to the detox or should we have dinner? And I said, oh, we'll have dinner. I'll just, ring the, I'll just ring the detox. I've done it before and said no one's coming tonight. And uh, I wasn't going to wanting to share that with too many people. I've done it now. Um, but it just didn't sit right. You know that feeling? It just didn't sit right with me. And I didn't have a sleepless night, but the, but the next day I was sitting there doing my spiritual readings, you know, saying God had to say to God just how spiritual I really am. And I realised that that those, say, say there were ten people in that detox and we had have gone there. These people didn't get to hear, didn't get introduced to AA last night. And um, we get in there and, uh, and, and one of them, or actually two of them, hears the message and comes to an AA meeting. Um, one of them gets sober and stays in AA. One of them goes through the steps and 
learns how to sponsor other people. They sponsor a hundred people in their lifetime in AA. Maybe I've just caused a hundred people to be killed because they haven't, they haven't been able to get to AA, they didn't hear the AA message. That might sound a bit dramatic, and it is, but I realised that responsibility that we have to carry this message. And it's a very simple message. At this point, I'm not asking you to do any, most of the stuff you've heard this weekend. All I'm asking you to do is listen to what happened to me and, and how I feel today about life because I see life totally differently today than I used to. And it's all because I came to AA. Um, it's, it's a privilege and it's a, you know, sometimes it feels like a duty and sometimes it, it feels really difficult. Um, but really every time I go to that detox now, and I'm still on the roster, and every time I go to that detox now, it's the best thing I can do. I walk out of there um, feeling, and the best way I've heard this described was an AA meeting back in the <coughs> late 1990s. I was in at the gallery group, and it used to be at St Francis Church in a, in a smoke-filled hall full of people and egos and all sorts of things. Didn't know what you were going to get in the, at, the, at the gallery group at St Francis at 12.30 every weekday. There'd be celebrities and there'd be people with brown paper bags and overcoats. There'd be all sorts of people in there. There'd be people having punch-ups outside and there'd be all sorts of things. Um, I'll play, play my cards right, I'll get to the point in a minute. <laughs> the fact of the matter is that, that the message was, was carried to somebody in AA, somebody, somebody who was in a detox and somebody who got to a meeting and started listening to these people, just like happened to me. I came to AA meetings um, not, a, not as a willing participant. I didn't fill out an application form. I didn't really want, I didn't aspire to be there. Um, I couldn't stop drinking. I didn't think I was an alcoholic. Um, I knew that, oh, um, I knew that, uh, I knew that uh, there was something horribly wrong with me, um, but I certainly wasn't prepared to give the booze away. Um, anyway, back, oh yeah, that's right. Back to back to the uh, back to the gallery. Anyway, this this girl got up, and I used to go there every day. I just thought it was a great place to be. And um, I uh, I was sitting there, and uh, this girl got up, and I I have I haven't seen her since, and I hadn't seen her before. I think she came from country New South Wales somewhere. And I, by this time, I'd, somebody advised me to sit up in the front row. And I may have been listening to someone like Jellig Night Jack, but I'm not quite sure. But I was, I was sitting in the front row anyway. And this girl said in a very quiet voice, right now, just at this moment, just right now, I'm living without fear, resentment, selfishness and dishonesty. And, it, and she meant it. And I could feel it coming right through into my heart. That's how I feel when I walk out of Moorland Hall. Every time I go there, I walk out of there with this peace. Now, what's that got to do with alcohol? Everything. Because I could never feel that way. I was never able to sit still. I was always somewhere else. I always wanted to be someone else. Um, and yet I came, I came from a privileged background. I went to a, 
a good school and uh, I, did, I, I worked for a big powerful company and I had a big powerful job and I had all the, all, the trimming, all the trappings of life that you would want. And I hear that often here. But I couldn't stop drinking. I couldn't sit still long enough. I didn't know what life was all about. Well, life's really all about, right at this moment, right here, right now, as I stand here, being free from fear, resentment, self selfishness, self-pity, dishonesty, just for, those, just for this moment. Um, I'm a dad. I've got five children. I had breakfast for three of them this morning. And um, I thought I'd be an intelligent dad and read them a quote. And uh, I'm going to try and read that to you now. I had them searching for their... Um, uh, they, they, they started to Google this because it's a quote from George Bernard Shaw. Now, he's not an, as far as I know, was never a member of this fellowship. It's just as well he wasn't because they called me Jerry B, but they would have called George George B.S. <laughs> I took a photo out of, the, photo of this, so here we go. I'll try and read this as best I can. Um, this is the true joy in life that being used for a purpose recognised by yourself as a mighty one, that being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community and as long as I live it, it is my privilege to do for it whatever I can. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die, for the harder I work, the more I live. I rejoice in life for, for its own sake. Life is no brief candle to me. It's a sort of splendid torch which I've got to hold up for the moment and I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. Um, my kids thought that was pretty good. Um, but it really tells the story of, of, of passing this message on, carrying this message. I've got a responsibility to do that. Um, earlier this year I was at Moreland Hall once again, uh, detox with, with two guys half my age. And I think I shared this at the, at the Heidelberg Working Weather well, meeting the night after, but anyway, I'll share it again. Um, I was watching the message move from, from one person to another, from one alcoholic to another. You could almost see it in the air. And I realised just at that point that um, AA's in pretty good hands. This fellowship's in pretty good hands. It's got some good people, some good young people who are working through it. Now, I'm, a, I'm no elder statesman of AA. I've only been around for a very short time. But I know that, that this, this program saves lives. Um, it also brings families back together in a way that I never thought possible for mine and for countless others. I took up golf uh, again earlier this year, great passion of mine, and uh, I used to play golf for all sorts of reasons, um, mainly for the spike bar before the game and the, and the bar afterwards, but um, obviously don't do that now. Um, and I was to play yesterday morning in the monthly medal, I was booked in to play at, uh, at 7.30 yesterday morning. And I woke up about five o'clock yesterday morning. I normally go out of bed about quarter past six to do a bit of bit of reading and prayer and meditation. And uh, this voice came to me and said, uh, 
I think you better cancel God. Um, and I have a have a friend, a fellow named uh, Andrew Robertson, who's a who's a Christian pastor and pastor. And he, um, uh, when I share with him what I think God says to me, he often says, um, "Oh, I think that's what God would say." So I cancelled golf and got here. Best thing I could have done. I've had a great weekend. It's been fantastic to be here. Um, you speak my language. Um, another experience I had this year was. Um, uh, I have a dear friend who has a house at, uh, at Phillip Island and allows me to use it whenever I want to when it's vacant. Um, and I found this beach that I didn't think anyone else knew about. It's called Berry's Beach at Phillip Island. It's a beautiful place and um, I had the whole place to myself this day. Uh, I'm walking along the beach and um, the surf's flying in and I thought of Harold Holt actually. Um, you can, those of you who've never heard of Harold Holt can Google that. Um, <laughs> And uh, anyway, he, uh, the thought came to my head, uh, I, was, I guess I was in prayer, and I said, God, if you, uh, if you wanted to take me now, I'm turning 60, see? If you want to take me now, that'd be okay with me. And the voice came back and said, I've got a few more people for you to help before you do that. And it was really clear voice, scary stuff. That sounds like, I hope that sounds like something God would say too, because I plan to be around for a little while yet. Thank you for, thank you for allowing me to share that. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.